friends. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Strange Places podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Anchor and DistroKid. I'm your host, Billy Dean Shoemate III. Welcome back. Actually, this is the first episode of Season 2 of Strange Places. Can you believe it? Isn't that awesome? I, uh, I do new seasons every February. So uh, what I consider a podcast, quote-unquote, season of this one and my other podcast, No Disclosure. I started No Disclosure in February, and I know I didn't start Strange Places on you know in February. <laughs> but uh, just to make things easier on myself, I am doing Strange Places seasons February to February, just like No Disclosure, just to you know make things easier. So we're actually in season two of Strange Places. How cool is that? And uh, you guys really liked. The, before we get into this case, you guys really liked the lead mask deaths episode. It was one of my favorites, too, but you guys really liked it. <laughs> Thank you for all the listeners. That episode just absolutely exploded, and I really appreciate it. Um, I It seems like you enjoyed it. I got really good feedback on it, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you liked it. Thank you, for everybody, for listening to Strange Places. Thanks for coming back. And uh, this one is going to be really interesting. I <laughs> just kind of a background here on what we're talking about today is I was watching un- I, I was watching unsolved mysteries, like the original Robert Stack unsolved mysteries. I decided I don't watch a lot of television. I don't have Disney Plus. I don't have uh, Hulu. I don't have this or that. I do have my streaming things and you know all that, but. Uh, I'm just, if I had Disney Plus, I would never get anything done. (laughs) You guys would never see another podcast again. Um, I'm a painter. I'm an artist. I'm a musician. I do a lot of stuff. And uh, I just, you know, I I can't do the Disney Plus thing because uh, this would be a tent of doom. Video games, even for me, are a luxury at this point. I'm just, I'm one of those, I'm just wired different. I'm one of those don't waste your life kind of guys. I like producing things. I like making things. And uh, with that said, it's very rare for me that I'll watch or like b- watch anything, you know, binge watch anything or whatever. Unsolved Mysteries is one of my favorite shows growing up. And I thought, you know, it'd be cool. Let's go to season one all the way to the Netflix version of Unsolved Mysteries that they're doing now, which th- th- I think they're just came out with a new season or they're going to. Um, which would be what, season like 17 or something like that? Crazy. But I thought it would be cool. Let's start with season one, Robert Stack, go to the Dennis Farina into the Netflix Unsolved Mysteries they have now. Just watch the whole damn thing. And um, it's actually been giving me some really good ideas you know, for Strange Places. Naturally, I got to look these things up and see if anything has changed you know, since these original episodes aired. And there's one that hasn't. And there's one that really, um, really piqued my interest. Something that... Uh, I, I really, I thought, oh yeah, I remember this, you know. And after doing some research on it, I thought this would be a great one to do an episode on. Do you believe in miracles, friends? Well, one may have happened. See, a Nebraska church exploded. And this was on an episode of Unsolved Mysteries. So I think it was uh, season one or two. It was one of the older, one of the earlier seasons. But... uh yeah, no uh, explanation as of the mystery yet, so it's still something that you would make an Unsolved Mysteries episode on. 
a Nebraska church exploded. Yeah, literally, in 1950. Nobody was injured because every single member of the choir was coincidentally and oddly late in arriving for practice that evening. As unbelievable as the story might seem, it did happen. Even though a Nebraska church exploded one evening, we'll get to that, in 1950, just five minutes after choir practice had been scheduled to start, not one of the 15 people who should have been present was injured because no one had yet arrived when the building collapsed. Now, just to get into it, and we'll get into some of the Unsolved Mysteries coverage too because they did a great job on it. Choir practice at the Westside Baptist Church in Beatrice, Nebraska always began at 7.20 on Wednesday evening. 7.25 p.m. on Wednesday, March 1st, 1950, an explosion destroyed the church. The blast forced a nearby radio station off the air and shattered windows and surrounding homes. The church was obliterated. What happened was somebody lit the furnace before you know choir practice was supposed to start. There was a gas leak in an underground pipe and just turned the church inside out. It exploded. But every one of the choir's 15 members escaped injury, saved by... What, a fortitious coincidence, as some say? All of them were late for practice that night. Considering the sanctified site of the explosion, it wasn't surprising that some attributed the near miss to divine intervention, but was it true? They supposed rightly that the odds of unanimous tardiness were slim, to say the least, especially when the reasons were examined, which we'll get into. It's really, really bizarre. Uh, just give you the gist of it. We'll get into these more detailed, but um, we're giving you kind of an intro into what happened. Car trouble delayed two of them. The minister and his wife and daughter were delayed by a dress that needed ironing at the last minute. Others were late because they paused to complete homework, finish a letter, or hear the end of a favorite radio show. One awoke late from a nap. Some could think of no special reason. They were just late. One had a really odd premonition. It's impossible <laughs> to calculate precise odds for this, for all these events occurring at once. But past uh, performance indicated that each person would be late for practice one time in four, which that's pretty generous considering. Okay, if you look at the Unsolved Mysteries coverage, um, I think my notes cover this, but just in case they don't, the choir. <laughs> The lady that was in charge of the choir, she was one of them old school, like Southern Baptist kind of ladies, old school. And you hear about this in the, because um, <laughs> a lot of these people were still, you know, they were elderly at this point, but they, you know, a lot of them were still alive when um, Unsolved Mysteries did their coverage. And they said that the, you know, lady who did the choir <laughs> practice, she didn't screw around. She was one of them old, you know, old school ones. It was exceptionally rare that anybody was late for choir. Because if you were late past 7.20, you were escorted out. No choir practice for you. I mean, they were serious about it. And the odds of everybody being late for practice, let's say one time in four, someone was going to be late. And that's being pretty generous because they they did not screw around with their choir practice. And everybody was interviewed about this. They all said the same thing. 
this would produce a one in a million chance that the entire choir would be late that night. Now, considering that any that nobody was hardly late ever at all, a lot more than one in four or a lot, you know, wider odds than that. We're looking at way more than one in a million chance. We're talking the chance of being dealt a royal flush on the first hand, right? Uh, just to, I, I pulled up this page earlier, and I thought this would be fun to kind of put into perspective. Um, that have is, I wanted to see what also what other things were one in a million chances. Just to you know, put things into kind of context here. Um, one in a million chances. I had a list up. Okay, here we go. One in a million chance. We're looking at... Okay. One, um, you're more likely to be struck by lightning in your lifetime. One in 12,000 chance. Um, winning the lottery. Depending on where you live, could be anywhere from one in a million to one in 258 million. That said... The odds of this happening, I wanted to put it in context like what would be more likely to happen to you, <laughs> right? You're more likely to be crushed by a meteorite, which is only about 1 in 700,000. Um, dying in a plane crash is about 1 in a million or so. Getting, uh, being Becoming the president of the United States is about 1 in 10 million. <laughs> Uh, becoming a movie star, one in 1.5 million. Writing a New York Times bestseller, about, wow, that's pretty good, actually. <laughs> one in 563, okay. Uh, what is this one? Being deemed possessed by Satan. <laughs> about one in two million chance. Uh, winning an Olympic gold medal, one in 662,000. Winning an Oscar, one in 11,000. You see what I'm getting at here? So the chances of 15 people being spared just by coincidence is astronomical. But was it a miracle that they say? Because astronomical things do happen. People win Powerball jackpots. You know what I mean? People get bitten by sharks. People die in plane crashes. These things happen. Was it a miracle or not? Let's see. Now, it's really interesting to hear this from the horse's mouth. I'm not going to paste the clips of uh, Unsolved Mysteries in here because I don't, you know, this podcast goes other places too and I don't want to get like striked or anything. But uh, watch it. It's interesting. Um, I'll look it up here. Clack, clack, clacking away. Okay, it was season two, episode 13, it looks like. Let's make absolute sure. I want to point you in the right direction, kids. It's happening again. After this stupid ad for World of Warcraft. Um, yeah, here it is. Okay, I'm watching it right now. <laughs> so, Season 2, Episode 13. These are all on YouTube. There was a company called FilmRise that bought or owned all the Unsolved Mysteries episodes, and they put them all on YouTube, so check it out. It happened on the evening of March 1st as we said, in the town of Beatrice, Nebraska. 
In the afternoon, the Reverend Walter Klempel had gone to the Westside Baptist Church to get things ready for choir practice. Okay, it is in my notes. He lit the furnace. Most of the singers were in the habit of arriving around 7.15. It was chilly in the church. Um, but at 7.10, when it was time for the pastor to go back to the church when his wife and daughter Marilyn Ruth, well, with his wife and daughter Marilyn and Ruth, my notes are weird. I wrote these in a hurry, it looks like. It turned out that Marilyn Ruth's dress was soiled. They waited while Miss Klempel ironed another and thus were still at home when the explosion happened. LaDonna Vandergriff, then a high school sophomore, was having trouble with a geometry problem. She knew practice began promptly, always arrived early, but she stayed to finish the problem. It was giving her kind of a hard time. Royenda Estes was ready, but the car wouldn't start. So she and her sister called LaDonna Vandergrift and asked her to pick them up. But LaDonna was the girl with the geometry problem, and the Estes sisters had to wait. Sadie Estes's story was the same as Royenda's. All day, they'd been having trouble with the car. It just refused to start. Mrs. Leonard Schuster would ordinarily have arrived at 720 with her small daughter, Susan, but on this particular evening, Miss Schuster had to go to her mother's house to help her get ready for a missionary meeting. Herbert Kiff, lathe operator, would have been ahead of time, but had to put off an important letter. I can't think why, he said. He lingered over it and was late. Now, this was one of the ones that, especially on the Unsolved Mysteries episode, he just got, he says, he got a funny feeling that he just had to get this letter out. He had, uh, he was penning a letter something having to do with, you know, some church business. And he said he just had the weirdest feeling that there was a lot writing on this letter that he just had to get this letter written. He said if it was really odd. We can keep going. <laughs> like I said, there was this is quite a group here. All of them late. It was a cold evening. Stenographer Joyce Black, feeling just plain lazy, as she put it, stayed in her warm house until the last possible moment. She was almost ready to leave when it happened. Because his wife was away, another one, machinist Harvey All was taking care of his two boys. He was going to take them to practice with him, but somehow he got wound up talking. When he looked at his watch, he saw he was already late. Marilyn Paul, the pianist, had planned to arrive half an hour early. However, she fell asleep after dinner, when her mother awakened her at 7.15, she had time only to tidy up and get out. Miss F.E. Paul, choir director and mother of the pianist, was late simply because her daughter was. She tried unsuccessfully to wake the girl up. High school girls Lucille Jones and Dorothy Wood are neighbors and customarily go to practice together. Lucille was listening to a 7 to 7.30 radio program and broke her habit of promptness because she wanted to hear the end. Dorothy waited for her. Didn't know why, just wanted to listen to this radio program. Never done it before. Like I said, these were all, they were all very serious about choir practice. They were never late. Occasionally someone would be, but uh, on this particular night, 15 of them? At 7.25, with a roar heard in almost every corner <laughs> of the city, the Westside Baptist Church exploded. 
The walls fell outward, the heavy wooden roof crashed straight down like a weight in a deadfall. But because of such matters as a soiled dress, a catnap, an unfinished letter, a geometry problem, and two stalled cars, all of the members of the choir were late, something which had never occurred before. Firemen thought the explosion had been caused by underground natural gas line, which may have leaked into the church from a broken pipe outside and been ignited from, you know, naturally the fire in the furnace. The Beatrice choir members had no particular theory about the fire's cause, but each of them began to reflect on the heretofore, shall I say, inconsequential details of life, wondering at exactly what point it is that one can say this was truly an act of God. But that's the debate here. Was it an act of God? Like I said, I really wish that I could quote or not, not not quote, I wish that I could pull up the Unsolved Mysteries uh, episode. But, you know, like I said, I don't want to get copyright striked. <laughs> because there's a lot in there that we're not hearing from the horse's mouth. I've said it on this podcast before, that I I think when you throw away all preconceived bullshit, right, when you just empty your mind and take things at face value, because one of the poles of strange places, what we do here is this we like us I say this all the time. Common sense is something sorely lacking in the study of the paranormal and the supernatural these days. It really is. And people rarely look at things at face value. Just take the evidence as it is. What are you looking at? No preconceived shit, no prejudices, nothing. Just look at things for what they are. And what does your brain immediately go to? What is your first instinct, your first reaction? This kind of study is never used with the supernatural and paranormal anymore. What does this say to us? Man... You gotta watch the episode. <laughs> Hearing it from the horse's mouth is something so entirely different. Because you really get the gist that, I mean, this is 1950, man, okay? The leader of the choir was old school even back then. <laughs> she didn't put up with being late. They weren't late. Occasionally, some extreme circumstance would happen, somebody would be late. Now, remember what I said. If one out of every four practices somebody was late which is not the case here i can assure you it was a lot longer you know between times that people were late in this choir judging by how these people were speaking but let's just say for argument's sake for statistical ease that one out of every four practices somebody was late that's a one in a million shot that that's going to happen but you just look at those fucking odds. 15 people being late for a practice. But the thing is, well, what happened was it was a church that exploded. They would have been killed. All of them. Or anybody that showed up, you know, look at the pianist being there half an hour early, what have you. Is this truly an act of God? Well, hearing it from them, naturally, you know, these are... Uh, Good Christian folk, right? These are people in a church choir. Naturally, they're going to say 
you know, that this was an act of God. But there's one thing that kind of stands out for me. And this was touched on a little bit on the Unsolved Mysteries episode, but when you really do your homework and dig into this thing, one of the choir members kept some of the choir books that were in the explosion. And what's really bizarre is that none of the choir books suffered any kind of burn damage. I'm serious. No smoke damage, no burn damage. And a couple, yeah, now that I'm looking at my notes here, a couple of them actually, I thought it was just one, had taken home uh, in between the both of them all of the choir books that they were going to use that night that were in the church. None of them were damaged. Pretty bizarre. And this is documented. But (laughs) naturally, they're going to say this was an act of God. It's an amazing circumstance. But is it all luck? Me personally, when you, I just look at this at face value, when I just look at this how it is, that's a fucking, I, I think we're looking at a legitimate miracle here. And I'm not just saying this because I'm a Christian. I'm uh, I'm not just saying this because, you know, these people were really churchy and they convinced me. This is bizarre. This is really bizarre. Like I said, if someone was late only one in four of those chances, we would this is a one in a million shot. But I guarantee there wasn't a tardy one out of every four practices. Listen to these people speak. Look into their eyes as they're telling their story. This isn't coming from just a churchy, you know, group of people. A group of believers that, you know, something astronomical happened and they say, oh God. No, because people cry act of God all the time in circumstances that aren't as insane as this. As far as statistics go. Chances, right? None of the choir books were damaged. That's, that's getting me. And like I said, that is documented. Why? I think that, yes, this is an astronomical circumstance. Would it be a stretch to say that considering how often these people were not late (laughs) to the choir practice, 15 of them, are we looking at a one in a billion shot? Possibly. Are we looking at one in multiple million shots? Possibly. People win the Powerball every day, do they not? But do entire 15-person choirs miss out on a deadly explosion that would have vaporized all of them due to some just crazy random circumstances, all of them? Looking at it for what it is, guys, listening to the horse's mouth like this, I know I'm relying a lot on the Unsolved Mysteries episode here, but... For the sake of the podcast, do we really need to? Do we really need to go to the horse's mouth here? Let's look at what happened. Right? We're looking at a 15-person choir. One of them has a strange premonition. The other one would not wake up from a nap. These people were not late to choir practice, period. They weren't late. It was an extreme circumstance, and I'm seeing this in my notes, not from the Unsolved Mysteries episode. I, uh, this is an article that was on Snopes, uh, where it quoted a couple of the um, choir members. They 
state that it was very, very rare <laughs> that somebody was late at all. And usually it was just a few minutes late, not to where somebody would have to be, you know, um, escorted out by the old lady, <laughs> right? I think this is, honestly, I think this is a legitimate miracle. Are miracles a thing? Well, that kind of depends on what your faith is, right? But let me pose, let me, uh, <laughs> I don't want to get churchy on you, okay? I love you all no matter what you are, no matter what you believe in. But like I always tell people, I don't believe in religion, I believe in the truth, okay? And what I know in my heart of hearts is that there was a man who lived 2,000 years ago that was exactly who he said he was. He was killed by one of the most brutal governments in history, and he came back three days later. I believe this to my grave. And I think there is something in everybody. As I've said in a previous episode, there's no atheist in a foxhole. When it really comes to that, and I've seen it, <laughs> I've seen a lifelong atheist get to that point where life is over and they're like, oh shit, <laughs> what if they were right? I've seen it, man. There is no such thing, in my opinion, there's no such thing as an atheist in a foxhole, boy. Because I, I've seen it myself. I've seen that look in a lifelong atheist's eyes when they're at the end of their life and they're scared shitless. There's just something ingrained in human beings. Now, I'm not trying to sell you on nothing. I'm just saying that we're spiritual for a reason. There's something else out there. You can't look at all this and not see design. I'm sorry. It's just that the no belief in God is just, uh, like I said, I love you all, but it just doesn't make any sense to me. Not seeing design in all this, not seeing a higher power in all this. Whether you believe in old JC or not, you believe in Buddha, Allah, nothing. I just, I can't look at this and not, all this, and not see design. There is, I'll say at the very least, there is a higher power out there. And it's, uh, honestly, I think it's crazy to think otherwise. It's crazy. Science is proving things every day. And whenever we prove something with science, I know this is a really deep subject, but <laughs> and a lot of people are going to probably be thinking right now, oh man, don't go there. There goes your audience. <laughs> but listen, I'm going to say it in a um, loving and common sense way. That's never really said with everybody's beliefs in mind. I'm not trying to be PC here. I'm not trying to skirt around the issue. I'm just trying to be cool. And that's rare. Science proves things all the time. Science, whenever we prove something, we end up with 20 more questions, right? But I think science and God coexist because science is just the discovery of, in my opinion, opinion, okay, I know it's a bad word these days, <laughs> but in my opinion, all of this works together behind the scenes, I think God made this to sustain itself. Things like gravity, the speed of light, constants in the universe, laws of thermodynamics. You know, <coughs> excuse me. All of this runs in the background. It's all math, right? It's all coding. <laughs> think about it as coding, right? Science is just the discovery of that inner mechanism, how these things work, right? The coding that God put on into all this to sustain itself so he can do what he's got to do. It's all math. 
I think it's just crazy to think there's no higher power out there. Are miracles legit? Do miracles happen? I don't know. I'm not an expert on this thing, but um, if you just looking at it for what it is, man, I think we're looking at one. I think this is a legit miracle. It's it goes beyond chances of something happening being astronomical. It just it goes beyond that. Maybe say I'm not trying to have my head skewed by um circumstances of fact, you know, with it being a church and with it being a choir practice and with it being something as dramatic as an explosion, you know, a very dramatic story. <laughs> but it's 15 people who were never late for anything, all really just weird, coincidental, just normal everyday life things. No angel appeared to anybody. No one had a crazy dream that came true. You know what I mean? <laughs> this was just normal everyday stuff that happened. And in the end of it, there were things that were miraculously unharmed. Are people going to say that I'm being kind of irresponsible here when I'm saying that something is legit, legit paranormal, legit supernatural, when we have less evidence (laughs) with this one than we've had for things, (laughs) for other things, you know, that we've like completely debunked, right? But um, just looking at this thing at face value, Listening to the horse's mouth, looking in those people's eyes, man. There's just something weird about this. I think we're looking at a at a legitimate miracle here. Miracles are a thing, yeah. Maybe it's a matter of opinion. But uh, to these people, a miracle occurred. And you could never in a million years convince them otherwise. Sorry, kids. But uh, I'm on their side of the line. I think a miracle actually occurred. Pretty amazing. So, what do you think about the Westside Baptist Church in Beatrice, Nebraska explosion? We need a much better title for this. (laughs) Should we say, um, Church Explosion Spares Choir? I kind of like that. What do you guys think? Did a legitimate miracle occur, or is this just an astronomical coincidence? Did I plug Unsolved Mysteries enough? Let me know. (laughs) But anyway, guys, thanks for listening again to the first episode of Season 2 of Strange Places. I appreciate it. Make sure to go on Asylum817.com. That's Asylum817.com for all things Strange Places related. All the social media links are there, as well as the link to get to our Patreon account, where you can get early access to shows, bonus content, giveaways at certain tiers. We do all kinds of crap on there, so check it out. For as little as a dollar a month, you'd be majorly helping the show. Shout out to the patrons, by the way. The Kunkel Homestead YouTube channel, Donald Haynes, David Peterson. Appreciate you. Really do. Thank you. You make this thing go. I'm eternally grateful. So anyway, guys, I will catch you later. Thank you for listening to this episode. Again, we'll see you on the next one. Will we ever run out of strange places? Eh, I don't think so. Because every town has a strange place. And maybe one day, we'll visit yours.
The Strange Places podcast is brought to you by DistroKid. DistroKid is a music label for truly independent artists. They will distribute and share your music on every streaming platform the internet has to offer. And the best part is that you keep all of your royalties. In fact, DistroKid has made history, marking the first time that an artist on the charts made 100% of their earnings. This is the music industry's worst nightmare, giving indie artists complete control over their art. For only 20 bucks a year, you can upload unlimited music, and with the split feature, you can split a percentage of the earnings to your bandmates. If you click the affiliate link in this episode's description, you get 7% off the first year. But did I mention that after that, it's only 20 bucks a freaking year? I've been a musician for a long time. My music is heard all over the world, and yours should be too. Click the link in this episode's description to not only support Strange Places, but put control of your own music back into your hands. No contracts, no hidden clauses, no lovely coin men in their lovely, lovely suits. Thanks to DistroKid for being a sponsor and giving this old dog an audience.